Well, we continue this morning our march toward the manger. We've marked the weeks by lighting candles. As we mentioned a moment ago, we are more than halfway, 75% of the way there, with the third candle being lighted. Our focus has been and will continue to be the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but maybe as they would have been seen through the eyes of his mother, Mary. We've attempted to answer the question, how might she have viewed the significance of her role as Jesus' mother, the one who delivered him, as it were, to the world? We've looked at the end of her life. Last week we considered what might have been her experience at the crucifixion. Today we'll look at the single story we have from the time of Jesus' birth until his public ministry began. These words are found also in Luke 2, but the very end of that chapter. Beginning in verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So as we track backwards, as it were, in the life of Mary, and now in where we are considering concurrent to the life of Jesus, we near ever closer to the night of Jesus' birth as we end this journey. At the time of this event, Mary was likely somewhere in her early 20s. She and Joseph had taken 12-year-old Jesus for the Passover celebration in Jerusalem. It's interesting for a number of reasons. I find this story absolutely fascinating. There are a few details of it that won't be a major focus, but I wanted you to be aware of. Like I said, it's the single event in all of Jesus' life that we have, in, we have recorded in Scripture in between the infancy narratives, the 
weeks leading up to and right after his birth, all the way until he is probably about 30 years old. So almost a 30-year gap of time is supplemented only by this story. It's also the last time that we read about Joseph, Jesus' earthly father being alive in the Gospels. And because of that, it's almost universally believed and agreed upon that he would have died somewhere after this story and before the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He was likely several years older than Mary when Jesus was born. It also records the first words of Jesus, at least as recorded in Scripture. There must have been thousands of interesting moments during Jesus' childhood and young adulthood. There are passages outside of the canon of Scripture where some folk have attempted to fill in what Jesus the boy must have been like. But we have this story. Why this one? Why this one? Though the Gospel writers were inspired by the Holy Spirit, it's likely that they weren't just sitting in a room by themselves with pen, with ink and paper. It's likely that the stories that they recorded were known by the community. And this story would have had to be communicated to them by Mary herself. Why this one, though? Why was it so important to her and to them that we know about the time where his parents lost Jesus. Every parent who has a child old enough to walk has probably, has probably had the experience of being someplace away from your home and hopefully just for a terrifying few seconds you realize that you don't know specifically where your child, who rode in your car to the location and is supposed to get back in that car to return to your home, you realize you don't know exactly where they are. As a parent, it is difficult to forget those moments. I was thinking about the most recent one that has been true for me. There was a day last August when I was home with our three before the kids started school. Dana was working, and we decided that we would take off for the zoo. We had to uh, uh, reserve our time that we would arrive, and we were all working together that day. We had our lunches packed, and Elijah and Jonah were helping me make sure that we had our masks and we have this little wagon and Catherine sometimes likes to ride in the wagon and sometimes doesn't. It is much more convenient when she does, but there are times when she wants to walk. And we were walking through the uh, part of, uh, of uh, the zoo, Kansas City Zoo uh, that highlights various animals <clears throat> typically found in Asia. And Catherine was holding my hand as 
I think uh, one of the boys was helping to pull the wagon, and, and there was a moment in time where the, the crowd that was fairly sparse for the zoo began to, to, to kind of grow and intensify a little bit. And, and, and I was walking past the, the, the tiger exhibit, and I realized for just a second, as you do as a parent with multiple children, you just kind of inherently look around and make sure you can see all three. And I saw a brown-headed kid, and I saw a blonde-headed kid, and there's two of them, and, and, and Catherine should be right over there. Where, where's Catherine? Uh-oh. There was a group of, I think, daycare kids that were all together, and they were kind of right behind us. And as they walked past me, I saw Catherine. She had, they had kind of come between the three of us, Elijah and Jonah and me and Catherine. And there's that sense as a parent, that, okay, good. And then you go and you pick them up, you know. I got to hold on to you. Get in your wagon. <laughs> There, it may have been maybe three seconds that I realized I didn't know exactly where Catherine was. And here we are, August, September, October, November, December, four months later, and I still remember, and you do too. You remember those moments. Mary and Joseph, in this story, were following the tradition that every male Jew living within a reasonable distance of Jerusalem would be expected to travel there for the celebration of the Passover. There were probably more than 300,000 people in the city. And Jesus and his parents' journey from Nazareth to Jerusalem had been a long and difficult one. It probably took them about a week to make the journey from Nazareth down to Jerusalem. They probably traveled in a group, kind of a caravan, both for safety and for, hey, it's always better, more fun to travel with people, you travel alone. So they went and enjoyed the remembrances of God's deliverance from Egypt, that he had given their ancestors, they joined in praying that God would deliver them from the hands of Rome, that God would bring salvation yet again to his chosen people. When that time had ended, Mary and Joseph and the entire Nazareth community began the journey home. They'd gone a day, probably about ten hours. And you can hear the conversation. Mary to Joseph. Joseph, I haven't seen Jesus for a few hours. Where is he? Joseph to Mary. I haven't either. I thought he was with you. And Mary begins to panic, and her voice begins to, uh, uh, the octave begins to, to, to rise. I, I thought he was with you. And instantly they both realize, they both realize that somehow the two that had been entrusted by God to raise his son had lost the Messiah. They had forgotten the Savior of the world. 
And they turn around and they rush back, 10 hours back to Jerusalem. Imagine their sense of panic as they arrive in the city and they begin to search. The minutes of looking for him turn into hours, and the hours stretch to three horrifying days. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Mary looking for Jesus for three days? I would suggest that the reason that, that this story made the cut of the Gospels is because of all of the events of Jesus' childhood and young adulthood, this one stood out. The time that she couldn't find her baby for three days. You know, those moments of trauma serve as defining moments in our lives. Her concern wouldn't have been the only thing that caused this event to especially stand out, though. When they finally found Jesus in the temple, she kind of got after her son a little bit. Why, why would you do this to us? Right? And then even as a young 12-year-old, we see a peek into the relationship between Jesus and his heavenly father. When Jesus vocalized his understanding that God was his father in a way that Joseph wasn't. In that moment... As Jesus responds, you should have known. You should. Why were you looking for me? You should have known where I was. Mary, maybe Mary's mind returned to the words of the angel Gabriel before Jesus' birth. You will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. It's interesting to note that following this vocalization that Jesus had about God as his father. The next major event in the Gospels is his baptism. Okay? Remember what happens then? He hears the voice as he comes up out of the water. This is my son, my beloved. You can come away from the Gospels with a lot of impressions about who Jesus was and why he came. But chief among them is likely the centrality of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Jesus invites us this Advent to renew, to renew our intimate connection and relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. In addition to what they learned, Mary and Joseph, about parenting Jesus, I think that there was something else that probably stood out to Mary that resulted from this event in the temple. Picture, if you will, a 12-year-old reading Scripture, asking questions, as would have been the common practice in that day for a rabbi or a teacher. Think of all the questions that Jesus asked his disciples. And, in essence, preaching a sermon Right? This 12-year-old kid. Imagine when the child was finished that you as a hearer find your heart deeply moved by the message and shocked by the level of spiritual and theological insight that he has. 
That was the response people in the temple had that day to Jesus. The verse said, All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. That word amazed is a strong one in Scripture. It's not, it, this kid's pretty smart. It's not, you know, he's, he, he, he's got a good head on his shoulder. This is blown away, astounded. In fact, the same word is used some 20 years later when Jesus calms the storm and the sea, and the disciples were amazed. In this instance from his childhood, as would be true during, during his ministry, his words astonished Jesus' hearers. It's good for us. It's good for us to be reminded of the importance of Jesus' words, especially, especially at Christmas time. Well, we, we can, we can kind of easily hit the highlights, right? Christmas and Easter, essentially skipping from the manger to the cross. I'm guilty of that. But the words of Jesus astounded and amazed. In many ways, the words of Jesus changed the course of, of history, and they still have the power to change our lives today. The earliest followers of Jesus were recognized that because of the way they followed his teaching. They knew what he said, and they lived it out. In the coming of Jesus, we have the incarnation of God's message and God's will. In fact, the message was the messenger. The messenger was the message. When we talk about Jesus as Savior, we're looking at the cross and resurrection. When we talk about Jesus as Lord, we're looking at his call to follow him and to do as he taught. So as we edge closer to the manger, let's prepare to celebrate the one who came to teach us how to live and to show us the way. As his followers, may we prioritize his words and living as he commands us. Elijah, if you go ahead and go back For our song of reflection before we'll sing our closing hymn this morning, it is a beautiful, beautiful song. Maybe something that Mary could have sung to Jesus as a child, Jesus as a young boy, and also reminds us of our call to carry the message of Christ to a waiting world. Hear these words.